The fruit of the Spirit. Let's get rolling on that. Um, we start with a slide here. Tell me what this is. What's that? It's a peace sign, right? Does anybody not know what that is? Anybody young enough that you wouldn't know what that is? You know what that is? Peace? But you know what that, that in particular, I picked this one on purpose, where it really kind of started at and what this one symbolizes, the American flag and the peace sign. Who's old enough to remember when you would have, when you would have seen that a lot? 1960s, Vietnam War era, it was peace. As a matter of fact, the country's going around saying this, especially the young people, um, saying, make love, not war. Right? Peace. Um, and it was, it was really part of a protest against our involvement in the Vietnam War. Um, my earliest memories as a child growing up, the earliest thing I can remember, I was born in 1964, the Vietnam War was raging, it ended in the early 70s, and my earliest memories were at night, back in the day before cable TV, before, before Al Gore invented the internet, um, you know, um, we actually watched the nightly news every night. And I remember the casualty counts for the Vietnam War are my earliest memories. Every night, it was so impactful to me as a little boy. Growing up in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, my dad had worked. My dad's a construction worker. He'd come home. He'd sit in his clothes, his work, work clothes, and we'd watch the news, and it would be the casualty count. How many American young men died? And they would they'd have the... Anybody remember the casualty counts? It was on TV. Every night, it was a stark reminder of the war that was going on. And it was, you know, it, was a, it was a tumultuous time in America. And so there was people that were rebelling against it. And I'm not trying to make a political statement because, you know, the world's a mess and sometimes force is needed and, and whatever about that. But here's the deal. Other people are going, listen, man, peace. We need peace. Make love, not war. What a great desire. World peace. A few years ago, our family, my extended family on my side, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, um, or nieces, did a Christmas gift exchange. And the Christmas gift exchange is you know, kind of tough because some of you have some resources, some have none, and my niece got my name in the gift exchange. She sends me a message, Uncle Mark, give me an idea of some gifts. And I'm like, you have no money. You know, I didn't say that, I don't want to embarrass her, but she has no money, you know, and I, never, I don't need anything. You get to a certain age in life, you don't need anything, you know? And she's what I want. And I said, you know what I want? And I texted her back. I said, I want peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Give me that present. Well, this is what I got for Christmas. I think she got me something else too. She bought a little globe and she wrote peace on it. And she put the scripture, Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So this sits in my office. It's in my office. If you ever walk in there, it's on my bookshelf. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We, I hope we, desire peace. But as we know, our world has very little peace in it. Lots of conflict, very little peace. But I want you to think about something this morning. Do you think that God desires for us, humankind, to live at peace? Do you think God's plan is us for lots of peace and little conflict instead of lots of conflict and little peace? Of course it is. God loves peace because God loves people 
and peace is his desire for mankind, and peace is his desire for you in your, in your life and in your relationships. But we need to understand something about peace today. We will never achieve peace through peace signs. We'll never remember one of the, one of the ways that we're trying to accomplish peace back in the 60s and 70s, led by really through Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. What was one of the common things they did on college campuses and, and a lot of times in public buildings? Sit-ins. Nonviolent protest. Sit-ins. They'd go and you guys, some of you see it now, they you know, block roads and stuff, but it was always going on. There were a sit-in somewhere. You're going to some place in the colleges, they were you know, filling up the administrative offices and they were doing a sit-in, saying, we're going to protest. Did a sit-in ever accomplish peace? It really doesn't. Political agreements, and I'm so happy that right now in our nation and in the world that I don't know what's going to really happen of it, but that but North and South Korea are honestly sitting down for the first time and saying, let's, nucle- let's denuclearize the peninsula. That's a good thing, but do those things in our history, long-term, you know, peace accords, have they ever really worked? They haven't. They haven't. No, real peace, is, and I'm not saying we shouldn't work on them, but real peace is something that starts on the inside of a person and then moves outward. And that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to when he includes peace in his list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, which is the series we've been in looking at Galatians chapter 5, at the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're visiting with us today, we've been looking at this list of nine fruit, these nine character qualities listed in Galatians, and trying to invite the Spirit of the Lord to cause these things to grow within us. Now let's see, you can look if you have to, but let's see if we can, now it's week three, if we can say what the nine gifts of the fruit of the Spirit are. And the verse says this. Let's say it, try to say the verse together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These nine character qualities, or as Paul calls them, fruit. He calls them fruit because they're things that will develop naturally if we're walking in a right relationship with the Lord and allowing the Spirit to bring transformation into our lives. These nine character qualities um, are something that God wants to see maturing in us. He wants to help us. He wants to give us a good life, and He wants to help these things develop in us. And so we looked at love and joy already, and so today it's, it's peace. Peace, brother. When Josh was little, you used to say all the time, he'd go like this, peace in the Middle East. I don't know where he got it from. He'd go, peace in the Middle East. Um, you have any idea where he got that from? But he would do it all the time. He did it for years of his life. Peace in the Middle East. Um, it, didn't do, it didn't change the Middle East. For us to understand peace and understand what God wants to see developed in us, I think we need a better understanding of peace. I think we need to understand that, that peace, God wants it, and it's, it's attainable uh, in our scope at least, in our influence, um, in our world. We can do our part in it, but that there's a process. There's something, it's, it's not just as simple as doing a sit-in. So today what I want to do is there's, there's three things that I want to explain about peace um, and how one of these builds on the next. 
And if we'll allow these, we'll allow the Spirit, and we'll partner with the Spirit. So we're not just saying, Holy Spirit, do a work. We're saying, Holy Spirit, invite me to partner with you. Help me see how you want me to help, how to, to change and to grow and to work as you are bringing transformation. And if we do this in the area of peace, God will help us to understand peace better and live peace better. And um, then we get to live the kind of life that he desires for us. So the th- three things we want to understand about peace and this, and this, this growing um, expression of peace is this. And I'll, I'll say them and then we'll talk about them one by one. The first thing is this. Is that peace starts with peace with God. Peace starts by having peace with God. And then it moves to finding the peace of God it moves to define, finding the peace of God. And it results then in peace between God's people. So it starts with the peace, peace with God. It moves to the peace of God. And it results in peace between God's people. And let me explain what I, what I mean by those things. Here's just a fact of the matter. The only place that real peace can begin is by finding peace with God yourself individually finding peace with God. See, the overarching story of the Bible is that our loving Heavenly Father created this world and all that is within it, including you and me, all of mankind. And He did this for a reason, to be this, all this world and all this interaction, to be a place of peace and loving unity between God and man and man and man and even man and God and creation. In the original order, man wasn't going goose hunting. There was peace in the whole thing. God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, it says. Adam and Eve living together in in harmony. And and Adam even naming the animals in the garden. He could walk up to a lion. There was peace. But we know the big story of the scripture is that, that Satan deceived Adam and Eve... And they chose to reject God's goodness and his ways and insisted instead to believe Satan's lies and follow Satan's ways. And this resulted in separation and death. And as a result, the loss of peace. So conflicts resulted. So the very first interaction we see between Adam and Eve after the fall and choosing to go Satan's ways is when God says, what happened here? Adam blames Eve. The person earlier is like, oh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, you're awesome, you're wonderful. Thank you, I was alone, now I have someone. Very next thing, God, she did it. (laughs) Conflict. They have kids. You think you have a problem with your kids? Cain gets jealous, rises up and kills his brother Abel. And history from that point on is a long record of conflict after conflict after conflict after conflict. But our always loving God had a plan to bring restoration. He himself came into our world to reveal the truth about who he really is and to himself pay the penalty that resulted um, because of our choice to sin. That's what Jesus did on the cross. God himself coming to take the punishment that I deserve because of my choice to sin. And Jesus dying in my place. And in addition to him revealing the truth about who God really is and him paying for my sins and the sins of all mankind, he also came to restore peace between himself and mankind. To restore the broken relationship. 
So when you came into this world, you were born under the curse of sin, which caused separation between you and God. There was not a relationship of peace. But when a person comes to Jesus for salvation and becomes his follower, that relationship of peace is restored. And that's what the Apostle Paul is explaining in his letter to the Romans. And we won't look there, but you can look later this afternoon. The letter to the Romans, in, in chapters 3 and 4 in, that, in that, um, that letter, that book, we call it a book, he's explaining how one is restored in their relationship to God through faith in Christ. In other words, how do you become one with God, having been separated, how do you become one with God by accepting Christ as Savior? But then in chapter 5, the very first words of chapter 5, the first verse, he says this, Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, so in other words, that means being saved, having your sins forgiven, coming in a right relationship with God, and being just as if I, justified means just as if I had never sinned, it means forgiven. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, what's it say? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we find peace with God. When we come to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of our broken relationship, Paul says we find peace with God. What's he mean? He says we find peace because our sins are forgiven. We don't need to worry anymore about judgment. God says, done, forgiven. Your sins are gone. No more worrying about judgment. We become children of God with the promise of loving union with God that starts the day you come to meet Jesus and goes forward through all eternity to the great promise of a new heaven and a new earth. That starts when you come to Jesus. We find peace with God. Our broken relationship is restored and he welcomes us. And he says, I'm never going to judge you. This is the real only starting place for real peace that can last, and it can change people. Jesus is the only path to find real peace in anyone's life. Apart from it, they can try, but you won't find it. Now that's the starting place. But God wants peace to expand in our lives. And that's what Paul is thinking of when he includes peace in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. He's not really talking about finding peace with God because the people he's writing to already found that. He's talking about the, other, the peace of God. That the peace we find when our sins are forgiven would spread to all areas of our life. Because we know that we are in a right relationship with God, we can invite Him into all areas of our lives and the, that result can be the, of His presence can be peace. It's an internal peace. We find peace with God and then in our life, existing in a world of chaos because he's with us and he's, we have peace with him, now that peace can spread for ourselves within our entire existence in the world. This is what Paul was explaining to the Philippians in chapter 4 of the letter he wrote. Grab your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4. Are you there? Give you a moment. Because it's so important. We find peace with God. But then he says, you know what? The fruit of the Spirit is what he's referring to. And this is Paul be saying the same thing here. But here now I want you to have peace 
that just doesn't stay between you and God, but it affects you as you interact in this world, because here's the reality. He can give you peace, but the world hasn't changed. The world's still a train wreck. The world still has tons of conflict and tons of problems. The sit-ins didn't work. The peace accords don't last. Scripture even says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a world of trouble. But look at Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, is Paul writing to Christian people. And get this, he's writing this from prison. He's in chains, and he's writing this in turmoil. He's revealing his inner, his inner condition. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say to you, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your peace of God. Writing to people who have peace with God, he says the peace of God can come into your life. Look look at these verses. Verses 4 and 5. They're a celebration of a right relationship with God. A celebration of peace with God. Rejoice. Have a gentle spirit. The Lord is near. It's a celebration of being with with the Lord, having peace with God. In verse 6, because of a right relationship, you should take all your needs to God. You have a right relationship. Now you have somewhere to take. When you don't have the Lord, you have nowhere to take your needs. But then verse 7, it says, then take your needs and then... God's peace will hold you, will sustain you, even in the most difficult of times. And look, it says, it's a peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. There's another way to say that that's completely accurate, that doesn't make sense in the middle of a trial. Here's the deal. If you don't have peace with God and looking for the peace of God, you go through a trial, you go through the trial alone. You go through the trial alone and you have no peace. But when Jesus is in your life and he's giving you peace and you're looking to him to come in and and you're taking your needs to him and you're saying, God, give me peace inside, what happens is you can walk through the most difficult circumstances. Doesn't mean they're not difficult. Doesn't mean you won't shed tears. But it means the peace of God that doesn't make sense will carry you through. Meaning, anybody else would be frantic without Jesus. But you won't be frantic. Because the peace of God surpasses even all comprehension. That's the peace of God. That's what we get when we start with the peace of God. It's the calming presence of God himself being with you even in the most difficult of times. That's the peace of God. That comes because you know him, you have peace with him, and now you're inviting him. And Paul's saying, invite him in. So that you're not, going, you're not going through it alone. You're walking with Him. And He gives you peace. Why? Because He gives you Himself. You're not walking alone. What's one of the names for Jesus referred to peace? He's the Prince of Peace. When you walk with Jesus, the Prince of Peace is, is wrapped His arms around you. And He's walking through the difficulty with you. So you have His peace because you have Him in the midst of of a difficulty. So we start with peace with God and then we get the peace of God because he gives us peace, calm, even in the midst of turmoil. 
But God wants this peace to expand even further. He wants it to affect your relationships with other people as well. Go to the slide here, Romans 12.8 says this. Look what it says. It's the one that's on my globe. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. The ultimate outworking of the fruit of peace is when you and I live in loving unity with one another in our relationships. When we have peace between us. Think about something. Mankind has never really established peace anywhere for any length of time. No peace deals have ever lasted. I would say, and I was tempted to say this. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, but I'm wondering how to say what I want to say now. Because somebody say, oh, I have an exception. I hope you do. But I'd say this. In your place of employment, I would not say if I gave you ways to describe your workplace that the number one way you describe your workplace is peaceful. And maybe some of you, you own your own business and you have very tight control on it right now and you have all other solid Christian people around you maybe and you're praying together. You could say it's peaceful. I'd say this. Our church environment, when we work, it's peaceful. It really is. So I'm not saying it's not possible. Most of you live in situations where, you know, Suzanne comes home after working as a nurse at Aurora. It's not peaceful what she has to put up with. And you all go, yeah, I live in that same world. But we, the church, children of God, people at peace with God, we have an opportunity to do what humanity, through all its efforts and all its, 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 its peace accords and all its sit-ins, could never do. We can live at peace with one another because we have the peace of God within us that can extend to others. You see, I've been reminding you of this every week, and I'm going to do it for the whole nine weeks. Our number one goal of this series is to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to cause the fruit of the Spirit to grow in each of us so that it affects our homes and our relationships and therefore our church and even your workplaces. Our goal is to say, how can we change how people are on Monday? How they interact with their kids, how they interact with each other, how they interact with their neighbors. So as people who have found peace with God... We can invite the Holy Spirit to cause the fruit of, the, of peace to grow in us so that it can be expressed through us. Our relationships can be marked by peace, not conflict. Not because of me, but because of Jesus in me. And think about how wonderful your home could be if it was a place of peace and not conflict. Well, Paul says something. If possible. As far as it depends on you. In other words, he said, do your part. You can't do it somebody, you can't make somebody else do it the right way. But you can do your part. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. His point is this I can do my part to extend his peace to the world. And friends, you can do that in your home. And we're going to stop right here. I was going to give you three ways that you can expand that in your relationships, but it would take another long time. And so we're going to stop right here and just say this. You and I, if we're followers of Jesus, can see this really happen. You and I, if we know that we know Jesus and so we have peace with God, 
And then we invite him into Philippians. We invite him into our world, no matter what the conflict is. We say, God, give me peace. Give me peace. I need peace. I need you in my life, in my relationships. He will help you find an internal peace. And then as people who have internal peace, we can then interact with other people in a peaceful manner. Here's the key, though. If you don't have inner peace, I'll just kind of mention something I was going to say. If you don't have inner inner peace, you can't share it. So I tell you this. You know if you're at peace. You know. You can have a crummy day at work. You're agitated as all get out. And you know inside. You feel it. You're, You're anxious. You're edgy. You're crabby. And now you come and interact with people in your home. And what's going to happen? You're going to be anxious and crabby and conflict is going to spread instead of peace. Friends, own that. Own it. Admit it to yourself and admit it to God and go, guess what? I'm just a crab right now. I've told Suzanne sometimes, I'm just really crabby right now. And you know what you have to do then? You take it to the Lord. And you go, God, I just need five minutes with you right now because... Um, I'm feeling agitated. Guess what? What you promised me in Philippians doesn't happen in my life right now. And I'm going to sit before you right now. I'm going to drive in my car with the radio off. You're coming home from work, whatever. And I am going to say, God, you've given me peace. I know it's true. I now need your peace to fill my soul. You said it would you give it even when it doesn't make sense. Fill my soul with your peace. So before I interact with my family and my friends, I have your peace. Because if I have peace, then I can live in peace with somebody else. And so here's the deal. When Paul said it's a fruit, it's something that's natural and growing if we walk right with Jesus. So it's his promise for every one of you. Not one of you can say, well, you don't know, I'm Irish. I'm just hot-tempered and I'm not peaceful. Guess what? I don't care if you're Irish. If you're a child of God, you're not Irish anymore. Even if you went to Notre Dame, you're not Irish anymore. You are now a Christian. You are now a Christian. And that trumps everything. The child of God. And all these things are available to you in Christ. Amen? Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And you offer us peace. And Lord, I, I'm so glad that people in this world say, you know, peace We want to have peace. But Lord, we know it's only possible with you. And so this morning, I ask on behalf of our church family for the fruit of peace to grow within us. Help us understand the magnitude of what happens when we come to you that really um, we have peace with the creator of the universe. That you look on us with love and you're going, I'm in your corner. And that, Lord, then as we walk with you, you give us your presence, your reality in our life so that no matter what's going on around us, we can have a sense of peace. And then, Lord, as we are peaceful people, help us to extend that to the people around us by being the calming agent, the calming agent in the relationship. We thank you. I'm going to close with this before the, before the guy sings. We pray this prayer. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. 
Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternity.